Welcome to Coffee with Grant. I'm Joseph Patrick. This is a podcast series where I meet with industry professionals and chat about what's going on in the world of logistics. In this special episode, we're going to be talking about the backbone of our economy, the trucker. And to tell us more about this, we have Jim Stewart, Crane's Senior Director of Recruiting here at Crane Worldwide Logistics. Welcome, Jim. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. Thank All you for right. having me, Joseph. My pleasure. Hey, how about we hop in this rig and talk some more? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Jim, I understand that this week is Driver Appreciation Week. What can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, Driver Appreciation Week was founded by the American Truckers Association back in 1998, and it's held annually, and it's held most every September. This year's Driver Appreciation is this week, the 12th through the 18th. So we're going about 13 years. That's not too bad. What more can you tell us? Well, the purpose of this is for us to collectively take a moment, reflect, and be thankful for America's drivers. It is extremely difficult to imagine our economy and society without those men and women who decided to become a professional truck driver. They are truly the backbone of the American economy. Everything we purchase, clothes we wear, food we eat, even the medicine we take. And the coffee we drink. And the coffee we drink, yes sir. Uh, At some point moved on a truck. Whether the item was purchased at a uh, brick and mortar or online, those goods were delivered somewhere by a truck driver. And now, what will Crane be doing to celebrate these drivers? Sure. Uh, The entire Crane organization will honor our 350-plus professional drivers during Driver Appreciation Week. Uh, All Crane facilities will participate, and they will be holding daily events uh, at all the locations. Daily events could be breakfasts, lunches, and cookouts. We even have some stations that have decided to actually conduct truck washing uh, at their facilities. And we also have gifts for the drivers. Well, like what? This year's theme is on their lifestyle and the ease of making it easier for them on the road. Uh, we're handing out some cooling towels that one you can wet and put around your neck uh, if the cab is getting a little too hot or if they're in the back of the truck. We're also giving them uh, stadium bags. Plus the big one is the um, toiletry bag. So many of the guys will be taking showers at truck, truck stops. They just grab the toiletry bag and take care of their business. It's not an easy job, so giving them a few comforts of home, right? Yes, creature comforts, yes. Now, I expect to see a lot of really good photos and videos from that. We'll be sharing those on our social media as well, so stay tuned for that. Now, there's a lot going on in the world today, Jim. Uh, What is the current state of the union, if you will, for the driver industry? Sure. Uh, We're experiencing a very uh, tremendous driver shortage in, in all segments of the transportation industry, not just interstate commerce. You cannot turn on the news and not hear stories of various segments being impacted. In some places, you hear about how we can't even get our children to school because they don't have enough drivers to drive the bus. So everything from bus drivers to mail carriers, it's not just, you know, the the big long-haul truckers or tankers. It's affecting all the drivers. That is correct. That is correct. But let's focus this conversation on those drivers who are diligently working on moving America's goods to market. All right. That growing uh, shortage is impacting them and has been now for many years. So this isn't anything new. Well, since 2018, most analysts use that as the period where we started seeing a decline in driver availability. Uh, Projections back then were about 60,000 short. Um, The projections today, based on 2019 and the first half of 2021, we've kind of excluded 2020 due to the COVID impact. We have a a shortage growing now to about 105,000. And most analysts expect by 2028 to double that to about 160,000. Good grief. Yes, an excellent bellwether 
is uh, the load to driver ratio. That ratio explains and gives a clear picture of the current driver shortage. Depending on your market, you could have a five to one ratio, meaning that for every five loads that are available to move, get market goods to market, um, there's one driver. Good grief. And in some of the much larger markets, such as crosstown borders of El Paso and Laredo, or even some of the large port cities, you can have as high as 10 to one. So what's the impact of these higher ratios having on the economy and everything else? Great question. Uh, the ratio puts high-end pressure on rates and the cost to move these loads. And it means the drivers have more options in taking the loads that fit what they want. The trucking industry is not any different than other industries. We are facing rising compliance regulations for safety and the environment and a much higher demand for visibility within the supply chain. Uh, that means there is a demand for smarter trucks mm -hmm. and constant improvement on adaption of technology. And of course, our fleet technology is continuously being upgraded to meet those demands. Smart technology, I heard that uh, a semi-truck from 1986 burned as much fuel as six modern trucks. That is correct. So yes. the, the fuel economy of the of modern trucks is getting better. That technology is getting better. It is. Now, I've also heard a statistic that the average age of today's truck driver is 49 years old and that many are retiring. Actually, the age now is 55 years old. So the 49 number you heard was solid a few years ago, but uh -huh. now the average age is 55. And analysts project that we'll have an annual retirement rate of 6 to 8%. So it's, it's worse than I thought. Now, let's break this down point by point, if, if you will. Uh, starting with the government regulations, can you tell us more about that? Sure. Uh, so the government regulations. Um, a few years back, the government regulated that all trucking companies must have electronic logging devices. Or ELPs. Not the paper ones. Not the paper ones. That is correct. Logs now run off the truck's engine and other components within inside the truck. So it's very difficult to cheat, if you will, mm -hmm. and uh, really keep the drivers within their 14 hours on duty, 11 hours driving. And that's going to reduce fatigue, which reduces accidents on the road. And how long can a driver drive per day or operate per day? Sure. As I said earlier, they can be on duty for 14 hours, okay. but only drive for 11. And then after they hit the 14 hours, they have to shut down and go off duty and have a 10-hour rest before they go back on duty. I've also heard of the government regulation called the Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse. It's definitely not Publishers Clearinghouse. <laughs> so what is that all about? No, it's not your Publishers Clearinghouse. The uh, Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse was established back in January of 2020. And it is a secure online database that gives trucking companies and various governmental agencies real-time information on the potential driver applicant's commercial driver's license. Okay. A lot of wording, but basically what it says is that when a driver gets popped for either a drug or alcohol mistake. Like an infraction. Like an infraction. Okay. And they are terminated for that reason. They have to be put into the clearinghouse. And then we, as we recruit go through the clearinghouse to check to make sure that that driver is not listed in that clearinghouse. Makes sense. It is, and we absolutely want drivers that are not on substances or drunk to be out driving our vehicles. Certainly. But the impact of this clearinghouse since 2020 has eliminated approximately 46,000 drivers out of the pool. 46,000 gone just like that. Just like that. Good grief. Yes. Well, of course, there's... In addition to all of this, other global conditions that are factoring in as well. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. The global economy, many of the parts produced that are going into a, a new Class 8 tractor 
or trailers come from overseas. Mm. Um, and you know, if you are, as we are in the shipping business, uh, there is a huge congestion at either our ports or the boats getting into the ports that get loaded out of the China world. Of course, uh, the chip shortage everybody's heard about, uh, we've heard where domestic automakers are shutting down for a week or two because they can't get the chips. There are chips in these Class 8 tractors. Just hanging the out same there. issue, just hanging out there. So if you can't get new tractors, that means a downward pressure on the used tractor market, mm -hmm. which now has made that very scarce. So you don't have new tractors, you don't have used tractors available because of this global economy. And it's hard to recruit drivers when you can't put them in a tractor. Right. If there's no truck to drive, you don't need a trucker for them. That is correct. Now, I'm, I'm a bit older. I was born in the 70s. Whenever I was a kid, trucking was cool. Everybody had a CB handle. There was uh, music, uh, you know, by Alabama. There were movies like Breaker Breaker and Convoy. You know, you know, trucking used to be really cool. How can we make this industry appealing again? Well, we're going to have to change the attitudes that I think the younger uh, generation has about being a trucker. Mm. Uh, as I mentioned, there aren't many coming up from behind uh, this generation of drivers right. that want to become drivers. It's not just a career that young people today consider, especially long term. Most experts believe that the younger generation do not visualize themselves spending the next 20 to 40 years behind the wheel of a DOT regulated truck. This doesn't seem appealing to them now. No. They'll sit in front of a TV for 40 hours playing a, a, a driver simulator, but not yes, the real thing. Not the real thing. So we need to encourage the younger generation to think about trucking as a career. We as carriers need to incentivize them by offering them better pay, perhaps, regional lanes, and a way to get home on a more regular basis. One of the things we hear about is they want some home time. Mm. It is a unique lifestyle, being a trucker, right. and particularly an over-the-road trucker. There's no doubt about it. But it also has some great advantages and opportunities. Now, finally, the inescapable topic, the pandemic. That's really thrown a huge monkey wrench into the, into the works of just about everything. And can you explain how it's affected our drivers? Sure. Uh, when COVID came out, there were many drivers that kind of run in their own transportation shop, a small two-truck operation. Okay. And even some of the smaller 100-truck uh, operations, uh, they were hit pretty hard when the economy stopped. They didn't have any, anything to move, so they kind of dropped off uh, the radar. Uh, they decided to go find something else to do. And so now they're, they're out of the market. Uh, the trucking industry saw about a 40% drop in CDL training because of temporary closure of truck driving schools during COVID. And approximately 20 to 25% of those truck schools have reopened. So even if you wanted to get your CDL, finding a, an open class is tricky. That is very tricky, yes. COVID impacted the ability to recruit team drivers as well. Uh, think about you and I sitting in a cab, All right. right? Don't know each other and we gotta wear a mask for the duration, that didn't go well. Mm. Uh, what we did see is a, a slight uptick of maybe husbands and wives huh. going out and becoming a truck driver, or maybe some sibling. If you were brothers, we'd be okay in the same tractor together because we're, we're related. But that has also impacted the ability to uh, recruit teams. That's actually uh, something that my cousin and her husband is doing right now, is they, they do couples driving. They, they like it a lot. What can we do to turn this ship around and, and revive this particular trade, do you think? Sure. Well, first of all, I think we need to become very creative in recruiting, but we also need to paint a clear picture with the potential applicant. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, when we're recruiting, we first need to understand what the applicant is looking for. Okay. Does he want to be just a local guy, 
home every night? Does he want to be out maybe a couple days a week, but home on the weekends? Or, and who we really look for, the guys who want to go out for multiple weeks at a time. So don't, don't oversell it and then under-deliver. That is correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The recruiter also needs to form a bond with them. That's the first person that this applicant's going to be talking to. Okay. So the recruiter is selling the company, Crane, to the, to the applicant why he should be driving for us. And that's you. That is me and my, uh, my, my national recruiters, yeah. We really become gatekeepers for them because as in human nature, the first person you tend to talk to and you feel good with, you tend to go back to that individual if you have some problems. That's a first impression. That is correct. They may not like what the dispatcher said. Mm -hmm. So providing they, they respect the chain of command, they might ultimately come up and talk to the recruiter or ultimately me to see if we can't resolve whatever issue they might be having. Um, once they become a driver for the organization, the dispatch team must maintain that honesty right. and openness with the driver. We got to treat them with respect. Uh, we got to honor their home time. We got to confirm the driver's pay uh, is right and accurate at disbursement and it's dispersed timely. Right. I mean, nothing would irk you more than on every other Friday your paycheck's wrong. Or late. Or late. Right. Right. So we have to have that same commitment. That's not respectful. It is to, not. To the driver. That is absolutely not. So that, that is absolutely correct. So we also need to ensure that the driver runs the applicable miles to achieve his earning potential. Right. We typically pay our over the road guys some kind of cents per mile, whether it be a buck 25, a buck 35, or a buck 13 a mile. So every mile they churn, they're making a dollar 13. Plus, okay. plus fuel. Fuel is a big part of their expense. And so we offset that by giving them um, another 58 cents or 38 cents per mile. So really their CPM then is the buck 13 plus the 38 or $1.51 a mile. So if they, if they get paid by the mile, taking the long way isn't smart if you only have a limited fuel budget too. So that they is have correct. To, all right. that, that is correct, yes. And the last thing is listening is important. Listening is very important to what the driver has to say. They are the closest to the task. So mm -hmm. if we're having issues getting something unloaded quickly at the customer site, the driver's there and can see what might be the roadblocks stopping us from getting that executed. Okay. So you got to listen to the driver, and that might cause us to go back to the customer and say, hey, Mr. Customer, if you do this, mm -hmm. you would get the truck out quicker and get your goods to market faster, or Mr. Customer... If you do this, we can get the truck in there much quicker and you get it unloaded faster and get your goods to market. It's win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah, so we must listen to the driver because they are, again, they got a lot of windshield time mm -hmm. and they know that they just left a customer that if only they did whatever in their yard, I could have got in and got out much faster. Right. And again, time is money for mm -hmm. these guys, just like every mile they churn is money for these guys. And another hour away from home. And another hour away from home, that is correct. Now, switching to crane freight specifically, what type of freight does crane freight haul? Great question. Uh, our commodity mix ranges from oil field equipment to athletic equipment. Oh, cool. Yes. Uh, we move several major league baseball teams' equipment in and out of cities, not just the Astros, but uh, also some other uh, teams, uh, as well as the professional umpires, their, their gear as well. <laughs> so yes. everything from baseballs to oil barrels. Everything from baseball to oil Barrels including motorcycles, military goods, PPEs, mm -hmm. windows, building supplies, and medical equipment, just to name a few commodities. Nice. And what is the current relationship between Crane Freight and Crane Solutions? Yeah, great. Uh, it's a very successful and customer-centric 
relationship between Crane Freight and Crane Solutions, we can provide uncompromised solutions for our customers. It's all about capacity today mm -hmm. when you think about all these driver shortages we talked about. Crane Solution partners with third-party carriers that broaden our reach to find solutions for those difficult shipment needs. Whether it's an out-of-gauge shipment, OOG, yep, to unique handling requirements, the Crane family of companies can deliver an equitable solution for the customers. With Crane Freight's 350 over-the-road drivers and solutions third-party carrier network, we can develop a workable solution for our customers. One call to Crane Freight office, and we are working diligently to find an answer to your shipping needs. Thanks for all this information, Jimmy. Have any final thoughts for us? I do. I'd like to leave our listeners with this. Okay. Today. Crane Freight truly values the American truck drivers and the 350 professional drivers that we have partnered with to provide unparalleled service to our customers. We've traveled 21 million plus miles in 2020 alone. Nice. Moving our customers' freight around the country. With the expertise and commitment of our employees, we can execute almost anything for our customers. We will only get better as we continue to recruit and retain the best professional drivers and dispatchers out there. I like in that, the recruit end. and retain. Yes, retain is just as important as recruiting. And in the end, beyond all the technology and tools, it comes down to the people that care about getting the job done, and that's who we are. Right. We have a culture that is centered on safety and continuous improvement in every part of our operation. And uh, here at Crane, we have our value proposition that you just hit all three of those points, people, service, and technology. And it all comes down to those three value propositions. It does, Joseph. Yes, we're very proud of the fact that we have drivers in our fleet that have been with us from the beginning and that our highest producers of new drivers are the ones drivers driving for us. It speaks volumes when your drivers are out there recruiting Crane Freight to the drivers that they meet on the road. And if that happens, you know you're getting it right. And I'm a graphic designer, so I know a little bit about marketing, and yeah. you can't beat word of mouth. You know, trucker to trucker, this is a good place to work. Absolutely. That's solid gold. You're, you're correct. Well, thanks again, Jim, for joining this here today on Coffee with Crane, and thank you, dear listener, for joining in. Remember, subscribe to Coffee with Crane on your favorite podcast player, and if you would, please like, share, and follow. It really does help. So, until next time, I'll see you have a nice hot cup for you right here on the next episode of Coffee with Crane. Goodbye now.